Hello, hi, and welcome to Speaking About Speaking on this lovely Tuesday afternoon. And as you can see from the screen, I've got the gorgeous Anna Bravington with me today. So welcome, Anna. Hi, it's uh, so, lovely to be here. Yeah, no, it's lovely to have you along. So yeah, very, very pleased to have you here. I'm going to give a, a, a quick introduction. And I'm I'm never very good at introducing people. And I don't know why it is. I, I think maybe because people are have so many different facets which from what I'm about to read people will see of you and it's never I'm never quite sure whether to get it all so today I'm going to read everything okay so uh, this is Anna Bravington Anna is a marketing strategist and co-founder of those that dare uh, with 24 years of experience across digital and marketing, she's worked on some crazy campaigns, and that's uh, that's your own words there, I think, Anna. Uh, so we'll find out more about that with uh, in partnership with brands like Microsoft, PlayStation, and whilst heading up digital marketing at Gain. And in 2022, you were named Nat West Telegraph 100 Female Entrepreneurs to Watch which is quite an incredible achievement. So we will definitely touch on that. Uh, you're a huge advocate for diversity in marketing and currently investing in new ways of working to capture diverse voices, which I think is amazing. And actually that's a lot of what the last time I heard you speaking was uh, what, you were, what you were talking about then. So again, more to dip into. But as a business mentor, you're able to speak to the C-suite in a language that they understand. And as a marketing strategist, uh, uh, you're audience-led and on a mission to find out what they really want, as we all are. Yeah. I mean, because sometimes it's a bit of a mystery. Uh, most recently, though, and really quite excitingly, you have been working with Mark Schaefer, the fabulous marketing guru, Mark Schaefer, and joined 36 other authors from 10 different countries to, to collaborate on a writing project to produce a book called The Most Amazing Marketing Book Ever. Yeah. And you've got a whole chapter in there which you, in which you discuss, discuss experiential, I can never say that word, experiential? Yeah, that's Not, right. Yeah. Uh, but also, Anna, if that wasn't enough, you are a speaker and uh, you've presented at Brighton SEO and the last time I saw you was at the You Are The Media Creator Day and through the You Are The Media community is where we initially met. So yeah, multifaceted and so many things in there. Is it any wonder that I have a trouble introducing people? <laughs> so where shall we start? Let's, let's start with with the marketing stuff because that's that's what's at your heart so tell us a little bit about how you got into marketing and uh, and how how that sort of led into what you're doing now i feel like i got into marketing a bit like a lot of people that got into marketing it was by accident so <laughs> it's um I started, um, I did a degree in computing um, because everyone said, oh, you're really good with computers. Let's do computers. And so I did a degree in computing and most of us went off to sort of be programmers and sort of similar roles. And it was all right. I enjoyed, enjoyed programming, but it wasn't really me. So um, I, I was working digital agencies at the time and there was time I started going out and seeing clients more and doing a bit of project management and then sort of account management. And so I started just getting involved in other aspects and it's sort of a bit of a, you know, trial and, oh, what do I like? What do I enjoy? And I quite like the marketing side of it because the thing about programming is 
I like humans and I didn't feel like there was much of a human connection with when I was doing programming. So with marketing, it was really, I'm really into psychology and understanding how people tick. So I sort of swayed that way. I've sort of, through marketing, I've sort of swayed in and out of slightly different areas of it's a brand marketing. I did some PR for a while, which was fabulous. And, and then sort of more um, strategic in the last sort of probably six, seven years, um, looking at, you know, audiences, looking at the data. Oh, I'm so nosy. I love the data. <laughs> so rooting around right what's what's going on in this business and what you know what do the audience want so yeah it was kind of just like a sort of flow into it and you I think you find a lot of people in marketing tend to have gone that way where it's they sort of gravitated towards it as it's really interesting to do yeah brilliant I'm just looking at I've got comments coming up I've already uh, we've got Liam Toms here with us and Mark Masters so uh, they both hi so there's there's Mark hello hi Mark thank you for being here and hi Liam uh, so yeah so tell us a little bit more then about the, the crazy aspect of marketing you know you you, you said you've done you've done a couple of crazy projects and obviously game was a was a big space for you at, at that point I can imagine that's quite experiential experiential again it's that word but you know tell us a little bit about about that experiential side of marketing so I I really the thing that I go in um, and I find that people either love me or hate me in marketing because I push people out of their comfort zones so that's where I tend to sit I try and make people um, do something that's a little bit braver but with reason I'm very much about measurement and understanding why we're doing something and so when I work on some of these crazy campaigns there's a reason behind them they're not just for for show there's so uh we gave you gave the example of game so when I was there we started with just sort of when I joined the game it was primarily primarily um paid marketing um it was very much like very paid is really easy to to look at and say all right that money's gone in that money's gone out someone bought something but it's quite low return on investment and for a lot of businesses particularly sort of retail ones which are low margins it can be not not great return on investment at all so i was like I looked at the audience, I looked at gaming and it was very community led. So we said, well, well, let's get the community involved in our campaigns. Let's have some fun. And so we looked at ways we could measure them and, and really engage people. So we did one, which we initially was, I started off with was uh, Christmas dinner, which is a gelatinous uh, Christmas dinner in a tin. And that was our Chester one to sort of try digital PR and SEO out and these different channels. Um, it was really fun. Um, it, it was, it got, you know, everywhere onto the Colbert show in America. Um, but it was great. It brought in a lot of SEO traffic into our site and we started generating that other, the other um, leads, you know, rather than the paid leads. I, I've just got to, you know, let's, let's go back on that a little bit. Gelatinous Christmas dinner in a tin. What? How? What? And um, was that? Was that for game? Yeah. So it was actually a revisiting of a campaign. So we it, they did it about five years before I got there, and it was initially just a PR stunt. They did this. It was everything in a Christmas dinner. So it was the starter, the main, and dessert in a tin, 
um, like sort of with jelly around it. And they did some sample ones. Um, they actually sold them in shops, but it was for charity. And there was just beans. I think it was just beans inside them in the actual shop. And um, the problem is where there was no SEO value from it. And every year it kept coming back in the search results. Everyone was sharing it every year. And we were getting no value from that at all. There was no SEO. There was no backlinks to us. So the idea is when we revisited the campaign, Greg's and everyone was doing a veggie and vegan version of their, their sausage rolls and everything. So we did this veggie and vegan version of the Christmas dinner to, you know, because we're modern and we wanted to keep up with the times. And so we did that. We had a PR agency that made one for us and taste tested it. There's a video of them taste testing it, poor things. And um and then we um, specifically did a landing page on the site to get backlinks. And uh, so then we got a really good SEO value from all of the coverage we got, which was brilliant. And it brought in, we were having some trouble with some new pages on the site that weren't ranking in Google. So we linked this page through to those. The SEO flowed through. It bumped our pages up. This, this is the thing with a lot of these fun and crazy campaigns. You can be quite strategic with how you get get the metrics from them so we could say oh this gaming chair page that we wanted to grow we're now seeing that it's you know has 400 search terms now instead of two and we're getting this amount of traffic to it which we didn't have before so with these sort of fun campaigns you can actually have some serious metrics and you can give content you know stuff that the c-suite the cfo the ceo can understand rather than i mean don't get me wrong you know Every CEO likes to be on the Colbert show and 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 things like that. But you can actually give some physical metrics saying, look, this is what it, the traffic's driven. This is how it's worked. So the campaigns, even though they've been sort of really fun, there are some serious sides to them too. And the we did one with Microsoft, which was the next big influencer. And that was a really good fun one because we um, got people to submit. So in my book, in the chapter, I talk about user-generated content in the most, most amazing marketing book ever, because um, part of experiential is user-generated content. So we did a campaign with Microsoft, which was the next big influencer. And it was a bit like X Factor for gamers. And people submitted their videos, so user-generated content, and said why they wanted to be the next um, our next biggest influencer. Um, and we would... Um, we picked them out of a panel. We then went and did Twitch streams where people could watch and pick for their favorites. And it sort of narrowed it down to one streamer. And the prize was that we were going to pay them, I think it was for three months to like a, a wage to be, a, be an influencer for us with potential more work. And once again, that's, I mean, we said about experiential, that's like the ultimate experience where we're offering lots of experiences in one campaign. Yeah. Um, so that was really fun. Yeah. I mean, and it, it all kind of comes back to that community vibe, doesn't it? And, and you know, talking to yeah. Mark Schaefer and Mark Masters in the room, it's it's all about community. And actually what I've learned from, from being a founder of a business, a small business owner mm. in the last sort of three years that, that I've been in this incarnation, um, it is about community and it's not about mm direct selling which always frightened the bejeebus out of me just to the thought of uh, you know cold calling or doing anything like that but I've just found that being part of a community and yeah. being part of those experiences with other people is a fantastic way to to build the trust between you and your audience 
absolutely absolutely I mean I get most of my work from my (laughs) communities that I'm part of you know it's that's where I I get them because we get to know each other and I've most of the services that I buy from people uh like I was mentioned earlier Trisha Lewis and from our community and you from our community where I come to your speaker club most of the people that I I um get for advice or 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 pay for their services are through my communities because it's that trust level like you said that you build up yeah absolutely you can't you can't beat it you can't yeah absolutely so moving on to sort of speaking because I I could have got buried in the whole CEO thing and SEO thing and and wondered how what how that works but we won't go there we won't go there I think it's the backlinks and the words that you use I'm beginning to to find that out and but let's let's move on to the speaking because tell me is this is it does it Obviously, the speaking has come out of your passion for the marketing. Would that be true? Yeah, yeah, it did. I mean, I kind of fell into it, really. Um, I was a member of a a little networking group over in um, Colchester and Essex, and they didn't have many people that were speakers. So they just, there was only about, I think, 12 or so of us that went. And so we kind of took it in turns to speak and talk about our different job topics. And um, so I just sort of fell into it that way. Um, and I really like teaching. So as you mentioned, I was a business mentor, one to one. And I love that. And this was just sort of a one to many teaching. That's what I told myself to get over the nerves. <laughs> um, but I I then started, I took over that group. And then sometimes when we didn't couldn't get enough speakers, I would just fill in. So I just got a little bit of experience, but then had a huge gap um, for quite a while and didn't speak very often, um, just maybe once or twice over the next few years. Um, and then I I joined a company where we were doing retail integration and we started putting on our own events. And once again, I did a couple of speaking slots there and then someone met me and was like, oh, come over. I know you talk about AI because I was really interested in AI. And this was about eight, no, six years ago, I think. And mm-hmm. and so I was I was taught I, I went to some AI uh, talks and uh, and sort of talked there. And then once again, I had a little bit of a break and then I joined Game and people love in-house people speaking because if you're a big or exciting brand they uh it attracts people to your event so as I was at game some more opportunities came up but I a lot of game was over covid so I ended up doing these online talks for like the future of brands which doesn't feel like a big talk it feels like you're talking like I'm talking to you now on Mm. a zoom or a stream yard and so that was cheating I think (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you felt like cheating, did it? You're still you're like, still in the spotlight though, and there's still ears on you and eyes. You so. are. You can you can pretend that you're not. And all of those, most of those were interviews as well. So it wasn't like getting up, presenting a deck. It was a panel or an interview. And then so this year is when it really has started ramping up. Um I thought, you know, what? I'm gonna really push out my comfort zone. Um and I applied for a few places at the end of last year, sort of, of speaking slots, Brighton SEO, uh, Digital Circus, um, uh, Live. I'm just trying to think. There was a couple of others as well. And and then sort of people said, oh, yeah, yeah come and speak. And I was like, really? Me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so it, it's been it's been really interesting sort of ramping it up and trying to do it a bit more methodically and seriously yes. because – 
um it's hard when you I'm naturally introverted and it's really hard when you're thinking I, I should be doing this but actually your brain's like I don't want to do it <laughs> oh well how do you get over that then I mean how why would you put yourself through it is it for are you promoting your business through speaking is, is have you found that you are getting more business because you are putting yourself in front of different audiences yeah definitely definitely more inquiries coming in and some more business um and it's it's been both when I've done it virtually um because I've done a couple in communities as well virtually um talked and and on um events as well and um it's I think the way the, the thing is, I feel like I need to put my money where my mouth is because my business is those that dare. I make people be brave. And therefore, I should really be brave. And I always tell them that, you know, to stand out in a crowded market, you need to do something different. And not everyone's speaking, not everyone's writing a book, not everyone's got a podcast. Try and do that as things that make you stand out a little bit more. So that's why, um, I, you know, I started my podcast. That's why I've started speaking. That's why I wrote the book with Mark Schaefer because actually not everyone has done that and it's it makes you stand out a little bit more um so it's interesting that someone said the other day that some big conferences won't have you as a speaker unless you've written a book so that's an interesting one too yeah so some of the huge ones I better get writing um so so just in in terms of um oh I forgot I was going you threw me there thinking oh my god I gotta write a book um what <laughs> what advice would you give then to an introvert to somebody that actually is quite shy but knows they, that they need to sort of get out there and promote themselves what would your advice to them be I started in quite friendly environments and small environments so that group that I was part of I knew them all it felt quite safe it wasn't being recorded I feel like you have to start and test the waters. So Brighton SEO this year was a big one for you. That was a major conference. You know, there was a lot of PR around it. It's it's uh, It was huge. It was a big audience. It was recorded, everything. I would say do not start with something like that. You know, I was just about ready for it. And I've done, you know, a fair few bits of speaking over the years. But I would start something small, you know, if there's a community like, um, you know, like we have the You Are The Media community that Mark Masters, who's commenting, is, it runs and um, find somewhere safe that you know that you can get constructive feedback, that people aren't going to be too scary. There's people you know in the room that have asked you to be there. And so you feel welcome because that way you it's easier like the you are the media conference although I was so nervous about speaking there because I knew everyone didn't want to let them down at the same time when I came off and before I went on there was this love you could feel this love coming from everyone and actually I took the same approach when I started doing video online I'd never done video online and I was a part of John Spearman's Espresso Plus on LinkedIn and um he he was doing, he said, right, I've got a few people that really want to do video. So I'm going to do some video trials. So we'll do two truths, one lie. So just something simple, not business. And so he got us to do some video for that. And that was the start of me coming out of my shell is in a community. It was all safe. So I think like start safe. And even when I did my podcast, I was recommended to invite people on as guests that I knew and that I was felt safe with. So it's all about this, like you said, back to that community, that safeness, yeah. your network, doing it in comfort before you go out there and yeah. and 
and and do it in front of strangers or you know too many strangers because that way you've got support and you've got you know you haven't got any trolls you haven't got anyone negative you've got people that will be really nice I've just noticed Christoph's comment <laughs> we do love you Anne oh Christoph yes <laughs> yes yes safe and nurturing in the uh the yeah you are the media community which is absolutely true Christoph um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, it's absolutely what I say to people too. It's those it's those baby steps. You know, don't don't go out and think you need to be on a on a stage. You don't. You just need to be in front of people that yeah. are going to be supportive and going to listen and give you some constructive feedback. Um, which brings yeah. me nicely onto the speaker club, which you've you've come along to a couple of times, which is the one that I run. And again, it's it's really about just encouraging people slowly, slowly take those baby steps, baby steps, just the the small amounts that you can do add up. And actually, you've given me a fabulous idea for doing the the, uh, the two truths, one one lie, because I might actually get get some people on video next time round, because I think that's a really good idea, actually. Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, so so would you recommend then that even though you are speaking and you have that experience that you still because I know you've you've been along to Mark Schaefer's uh, speaking group as well and done some learning with him. Yeah. So is it something that you would recommend to people? I mean, obviously I would. But but do you think it's valuable to, yeah. to keep on learning? I really do. I really do. I mean, I I still, even though I'm sort of just, I, I still feel like I'm quite near the beginning of my journey. Although I've done a few, it's been patchy and I've not great, gained, gained that momentum. And for me, it's about getting that feedback, about hearing lots of different points of view as well. Because every speaker trainer that I've been to so far, there's little tidbits you pick up here and there, just tiny little things. Like Mark Schaefer's one was, there was a lot about doing it as a career and contracts and things like that, which I've not heard before. And then from your one, when we go to yours and it's about prep like the breathing and giving us those exercises which I couldn't I don't think I could do in, on my own it's about doing them as part of a group and practicing together and seeing other people's talks in speaker club as well I find really valuable because ah it's really interesting to see the different types of talks so for me I mean in the last year so when at Brighton SEO they do a lot of speaker training they do the um, virtual I'm going to one in even though I spoke at Brighton SEO in April I'm still doing their speaker training on the 20th um, of this month and um, yeah I did Mark Schaefer's the other day I will keep coming to speaker club because I think it's one of those things that in probably unless you become like a like the Mark Schaefer level keynote speaker level where you're you've delivered hundreds of talks you're really confident you know I shall probably you know when I get to that stage I may not do so much but I say that, you know, I've been in marketing for 25 years and I've been in market strategy for quite a long time. And I still read, you know, marketing strategy and marketing books. You know, I read our own book, amazing that the amazing marketing book, because there was lots of different ideas and new things I hadn't heard in there. I feel like there's there's always something new to learn, even if it's not new to some people, it's new to you. And I've never been to a training where I haven't picked up at least one tip or bit of information or something to do or just help build my confidence. So I'd say, you know, my favorite saying is um, don't stop um, baking until you're dead because otherwise you'll end up a moldy cake on the shelf. <laughs> so <laughs> that's my approach to learning. Keep baking. Yeah. 
Making, well, every day is a school day. That's what well, that's mine. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Christoph's added here. Speaker Club is a great space to practice and get fab feedback mm -hmm. from everyone who attends. Having critical friends is so important. Yeah. Yeah, I think absolutely. Um, obviously, constructively criticizing, but but yeah, all good. All feedback is good feedback at the end of the day. Yeah. So tell us the, the other speaking experience that you've had recently that I assume is new to you is the fact that you recorded the chapter for the book, for the audio book, for the yeah. most amazing marketing book ever. How was that experience? Daunting. So a lot of people did their chapter at home and I, I just couldn't get myself. I, I was so nervous on doing it because this is going on audible. It's a big thing. It needs to be right. So um, I got I, I was recommended someone that would help me through it. And this is the thing I think sometimes you struggle in. You just need a professional that's really good at it to help you, particularly. I find the first time that I'm doing something, if I have and someone shows me how to do it, I feel more confident sometimes later doing it on my own. So it was interesting. I didn't realize when you read words, how much you replace words in text, skip over words, you know, read the wrong words. Your brain puts different words in place. It was really fascinating because I just assumed like when I was reading, I was reading, but I was reading these sentences and I was just adding words in, taking them out, com sometimes completely different words because my brain thought that was where Th that word was supposed to be and I am so in awe of anyone that does this for a living because it's actually incredibly hard to do yeah. um and I have fibromyalgia as well which gives me a lot of brain fog so I struggled to remember sentences there was no way I could remember any of it I had to just go off um off pat but I mean the power of of technology he patched all my words together and he, you know, he sliced things and diced them. And it sounded immaculate when it came out. You would it not did. have known. But it was just he had such a keen ear for, no, you've missed a word out. You've said that word. It was just I didn't realize how awkward it is to read so yeah that was very and it was an unnerving experience because I I yeah I would imagine as well because they are your own words aren't they I mean, you wrote it <laughs> I'm quite changeable though so my handwriting changes several times a day depending on what my mood oh. I'm in and so does my tone of voice so I could write something and then come back to it another day and I, I just doesn't sound like me but it did it sounded like me on the other day yeah. So I think that's my problem as well. I, I mean, I have a, a similar thing when I'm teaching acting. If I'm working with with scripts and people are are playing a character and they are reading words that have been said by, you know, that have been written by a playwright and they they go, you know, they they go off piste and you, you say, well, you can't do that. But it doesn't feel natural to them because it's not the way that they would normally speak, which is why yeah. you've got to find the character and all of that. So that actually the words that are written by the playwright are the words that you speak because that's how they're meant to be said. But if you're, if you're reading yeah. your own writing, then I suppose if, if it's written down as a chapter in a book, you can't really start changing the words when, you, when it comes to audible. No, they have to be absolutely perfect. And I think it's something to do with the way people write and the way they speak is different. So how I write is maybe sort of slightly more formal than how I speak. Um, I think that may be the difference as well, because when I write, and so when I've written the chapter, it's sort of book level formal with, you know, some fun in it, but it's still, 
you know, very grammatically right and everything. Whereas as I speak, I just, it just goes like, comes yeah. out, doesn't it? Yeah, so I think maybe the disconnect there as well. Yeah. Yeah. Simon Raybould just sort of reiterated what we were saying. There's something to be said for a bit of variation around the written text can sound more natural so yeah. long as it's grammatically correct. But actually, as we said, if you're uh, if you are speaking words that are written in a chapter or a script, then yeah, <laughs> then yes, oh, yes, Simon a, said it as well. Yeah, you have to stick stick to the script, basically. Yeah. Well, I can't believe it. We've literally got a couple of minutes left. We wow. literally have come to the end of that. And there's so much more to say. Uh, thank you for everybody's comments. Do uh, add a question in if you want to ask anything before we disappear. But I'm just going to ask. Uh, the question that I always ask was, is what makes a good speaker good and a bad speaker suck, in your opinion? Oh, do you know what? I think it's just about understanding the audience and engaging them. I actually don't think it's about formality as such. I think it's about have you written a topic that is interesting to them? And are you presenting it a way that's interesting? You know, it's I the the worst topics I've I've seen are from they're you know great topics, but the audience has been wrong. I've been to some very techie topics when this audience isn't techie, and I've had some sort of subjects that have been interesting, but they've been delivered in a boring way. So I think it's just about that engagement about. Is this something interesting? Is it engaging people? Because you can have the best written topic and you can present it beautifully, but if it's not getting people interested, yeah. and so I, I guess it comes down to research, isn't it? Making it sure does. that I think you're... it is about knowing who your audience are. There's no, as you say, there's no yeah. point doing a techie talk if if there's no technicians in the in the space. You know, you need to know who you are yeah. speaking to, and it's about them. It's not about you. So yeah. And also time of day, you know, researching what time of day your talk's on. Because people are really tired, you want to make it fun because they're going to get bored. Yeah, oh, good point. Absolutely. Great point. Well, that's that's our 30 minutes up, Anna. That's been so amazing to have you here. And and I just looking down, I'm sure I didn't go through. Oh, look, I wanted to show this picture. Let me show this picture because this just, <laughs> it just is, is that... Where did that come from? Was that from uh, Frank Prendergast's uh, appearance at the Mark Schaefer? Didn't he bring along those moustaches? No, I actually, this was prior to Frank, and this is how I met Frank. <laughs> so I had this as my LinkedIn profile. I was trying to be fun and do some fun pictures. And I had my son's moustache and that on my desk. And he'd got it in some sort of like little Christmas box of, of random stuff. And so I put it on and was just doing some really silly photos. And I thought that was like very funny. So I, I thought I'll put it as my LinkedIn profile. And then Frank invited me to join his moustache club. Oh, wow. So I, that's how I met him through it. And then what happened is when we did Shafe at the Seaside for You Are The Media, I lost my moustache. I left it on the table um, and so it was lost forever. And Frank sent me a pack of about 10 wow. in the post. And so I've kept a couple, but that's where they all came from for You Are The Media. I wanted to share the moustache love yeah. to everyone. Oh, that's what I was you got yours? For, I've got mine here. Oh, my goodness. Amazing. <laughs> oh, you've got a wonky moustache. I have. It's because <laughs> I can't see properly. I've got my glasses on. Got wonky moustache, wonky nose. But yeah, no, it was great fun. Great fun. 
Lovely. Oh, well, thank you so much for, for being here. And uh, I look forward to seeing you very soon. I'm not sure if you'll, you'll be at the lunch club next week. Are you doing pizza in pool? Um, it's 50 50 at the moment because my son is doing half days at school because uh, he's struggling a little bit so i'm gonna see if i can get away so i would love to because i love the oh, lunch club and everything be so lovely. Be lovely. but if anybody wants to get in contact with uh with anna you can go to those that dead that's the podcast which is in uh having a bit of a hiatus at the moment mm. but it's uh it's there and anna bravington co.uk is that where people can find you best they can the those that dare is more up to date i will admit annabramton.co.uk is a little bit out of date i've started updating it but i have been lax on it <laughs> well if uh, if people want to find you they can find you on linkedin too i'm sure they oh they always on linkedin and if you need to find out any more about me and power to speak or the speaker club there's a new there's a speaker club coming up on wednesday the 19th of july in southbourne in dorset if anybody out there is listening or wants to come along, then uh, you can get in contact and book a space on Power to Speak, the uh, the website. So fabulous. And there we go. That's great episode. See you at the lunch club. Face blue smiling. Oh, I assume. I, that that I didn't process the emoji very well. <laughs> thank you for that, Christoph. And thank you for that, Anna. Uh, and I look forward to seeing you soon.